0: Welcome back to the Act Two podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hume,
1: and I am Josh Hallman,
0: and we're just going to get into it today and not even worry about the intro. That's how excited I am, David.
1: Wow, <laughs> um, that's amazing. Oh, by the way, you can call
2: me Dave. Everyone calls me Dave, but my like my writers guild name is David H. Steinberg, but like obviously I don't go by that because like that would be weird.
0: I've always wondered the people who have the initials in their name if if it's there for this exact reason. Please call well, me. Well, David it's just H? like,
2: yeah, no, it's because the, like when you join the writer's Guild, it's like this, it's like SAG, you have to have a unique name and there's like a hundred other David Steinberg. So when I joined, I was like, I guess I should use my middle initial. I had to be different from the other David Steinberg. In retrospect, I should have, I should have gone for Dave, <laughs> but this was a long time ago and I had just come off of being a lawyer and I was like, I'll be David H. Steinberg. <laughs> if I had done it now, I just it would have been Dave.
0: Well, that's actually a good segue into just introducing yourself and telling our listeners just a little about you, where you come from, some of your filmography. Yeah,
2: Sure. I grew up on the East Coast. I was a lawyer for about four years before I quit, drove across country with my dad, went to film school at USC in the producing program where I met my wife, who became my writing partner. And I mostly wrote film in the beginning. I started out doing a lot of teen sex comedies back when those were a thing. I sold Slackers, which was my first big spec sale in 99. Then I wrote several American Pie movies. I wrote three of those movies. And I was the go-to guy for sex comedies for a little while. And then so they stopped making them. And (laughs) luckily, I segued into television because that's a much better business to be in. I did have a little bit of an animation career in the middle. So teen sex comedies and film.
0: And by that, do you mean Simpsons?
2: Uh, yeah, the animation was The Simpsons. I worked on Puss in Boots. That The sex comedies was not The Simpsons, but I worked on Puss in Boots. I done a
0: example, lo- by the way, to get into Puss in Boots, yeah. <laughs> those <sex> I, comedies.
2: <laughs> I ha- I, it's true. I was in the middle of writing the sex comedies when I got Puss in Boots, and that sort of got me into animation. And I wrote Tinkerbell movie. So I've done a lot of animation as well. But then most recently, um, I've been focusing um, almost exclusively on television. And my wife and I uh, sold a show to, to Netflix um, a few years ago called No Good Nick.
0: If Twitter tells us anything, Dave, it's that you are writing on a deadline right now. Is that right?
2: That's correct. So yeah. I
0: really appreciate you. Yeah,
2: you'll, you'll <laughs> learn that when I talked about my schedule that I'm done for the day, so I'm fine.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. Wow, four o'clock end time. I'm really... See, Dave, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. Yeah,
2: schedule podcasts for after I'm done, not in the middle. <laughs> that's that's a little bit of advice. Don't schedule a podcast in the middle of the workday.
0: It's really key. All right, just to tee things up for our listeners a little bit, a little while ago, Dave, you posted a few threads about your day-to-day life as a working screenwriter, and your day is insane. You have multiple projects going on at once, you're kicking ass, and both Josh and I kept sharing your thread back and forth just to each other, being like, how does this guy do it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we felt like it was this really helpful, just kind of honestly, unglamorized version of what it's like to be a working screenwriter. And we realized we just really wanted to talk to you about your time management skills um, to see if we can't steal something from you about how to better manage our days. So let's just, let's just kick it off with how many projects are you typically working on at one time? Like what is the range typically?
2: Right. So, That's a hard question to answer because it depends what you mean by working on. So the biggest number I can give you is between 8 and 12. So there's 8 to 12 projects that are on. When I go like this, I'm looking up at my projects list, which is on the wall. It's a a little whiteboard. I sent a picture of it on Twitter if you want to see what it looks like. And it tells me everything that I'm working on. That's in quotation marks for if you're not Mm -hmm. looking at any video. That doesn't mean that I'm thinking about it. On any given day, or I'm writing it or whatever. So, on the other end of the spectrum, the smallest number is the number of projects I'm being paid to work on. That could be zero to three is the most I've ever been paid to write at the same time. So, and three is great. I love three, but and zero is not as good. But <laughs> so, like last year, we had three projects going. And when I say going, I mean we're being paid to write it. We might not be writing every day. We might be getting notes or people might be reading things. So, it might not be writing three projects simultaneously but we're being paid to write three things that are you know either lining up or not lining up currently we're, we have one paid project which is great better than zero but on a given day it doesn't necessarily mean yeah obviously you're prioritizing things you're getting paid for but there's a lot of um, lag time and a lot of um, slow periods where. The project we're being paid on we maybe turn that in and it takes them three months to read it so mm. you're not doing anything while they're, you're waiting for people to read or give you notes or whatever there's lots of times where you're not doing anything on a particular project and if you can line things up nicely that's when maybe your second paid project comes in and that's when you're writing that one so you so to actually have to be writing more than one project at the same time is unfortunate there's not much you can do about it but we have a solution for that as well and that just involves Writing in the morning and one thing and writing in the afternoon, and the other thing. And by the way, caveat, when I say we, my wife and I are writing partners and co-showrunners. So we is not royal. We, it's the two of us.
1: Yes. We, you know, what's so crazy and what I love about Hollywood and talking to writers is like, I've seen your stuff. Like I've watched the the movies that you've written and the things that you and your wife have worked on. And I didn't even know that you had worked on it prior, before I, before like I learned about you, I think through mm-hmm. Twitter or wherever it was. And I just love it. This is just, oh. I just want to say, listen, I just want to say this was so cool about talking like what I I was like, oh my God, he wrote the American Pie sequels, but I think it's just awesome. And it's, it's always cool to uh, like discover what people have written. I just love Hollywood. Thank
2: you. Thank you. And it's nice when we meet, when I meet people and they're like, oh, I saw Slackers. And I'm like, really? You saw Slackers? Because as a writer, even when you have produced credits and I've, I've had 10 movies made, but I, they're not a lot of them, the most successful movies. And I'm always surprised when someone's seen one of them, like the idea that someone, would associate the movie with the writer is always a little bit foreign.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, so I I was going to kind of jump back into, you know, the topic at hand here. Where, like, what stages are all of your projects in? Like you kind of had touched on.
2: Right. So you 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 have very little control over like where the project is in the process. So let me give you a a snapshot of a year ago and a snapshot of today. So a year ago, we were writing a project for DreamWorks Animation, another project for Netflix uh, series. So the DreamWorks was a film, uh, Netflix was a series, and Disney, a movie. So we never were writing all three at the same time because that's just rare. And it only takes so many weeks to write it. Even if you're doing a first draft, that's at the most 12 weeks for a film. That's how many weeks they're going to give you at the outside. Usually it's Mm -hmm. more like six to eight. And if it's a pilot, it's going to be less. So once you have that draft, then you're waiting for them to give you notes and when you get it back, you're doing a rewrite, or maybe you're outlining it. So there's various projects and various things that are happening. If you are going out with a pitch, then you're developing a pitch pages and you're working with the producers to develop that pitch to take out to the buyers. And you might be pitching the project, but pitching the project means you've gotten to the point where the pitch is ready to go and you're taking a bunch of meetings, but that's not a full-time job either. So there's times when you are being asked to write two things simultaneously if you're being paid and you have no choice. And what we do in that scenario is we write for several hours in the morning on one project, have lunch, and I'll go through my whole schedule for the day later. But um, then in the afternoon, we work on the other project. And by separating them with a fair amount of time in between that being lunch, you can clear your head and get into the next project. And so in a scenario which is rare but has happened where you have to generate two different projects, first drafts or rewrites where it's pretty intensive writing. It's a morning and afternoon. And I believe there's been a time where we needed to write a third project where it maybe wasn't a paid one, but we had to get it done anyway. And that would be often we would we would say five days a week would be the most important one in the morning. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday would be number two in the afternoon. And Tuesday, Thursday might be the other one. And this may surprise you, but I almost never work on the weekends. And I don't pull all-nighters and I usually am done by four or five o'clock.
0: This was something, by the way, I believe you shared on Twitter that I very much forwarded to Josh where you were on a deadline for a movie, I believe, where you Mm -hmm. were writing it within like an insane amount of time, 13 days or something. And you still took a weekend and that blew my mind.
2: You know, what we do is, is it's all about scheduling your time and creating goals for you and taking the amount of time you have before your deadline to get the project done And building in that you're not going to work on the weekends. And you just, I mean, I've been doing this long enough that I just don't miss deadlines. If I say I need to write 10 pages tomorrow, I write 10 pages tomorrow. So if you need to have a certain script, that was a feature. So it was an animated feature. So it's a little bit shorter. Um, I think it was about 85 pages instead of 100. Okay. So we needed to write about 10 pages a day. And we got the first draft maybe in eight working days. And then it was all rewriting from then on because you can't use the whole time just to write it. You have to rewrite it. So normally I don't like to write 10 pages every single day, but that's what that project required. And so we just set the time and set the goal to do it. And it's very stressful. Stressful is not the right word. It's exhausting because you're just in that, you know, the the concept of flow, you're like in the flow And you're just cranking out pages and you're writing as fast as you can, trying to get it down. And it just is very taxing. And you're using like, you know, a larger percentage of your brain than normal. And you could do that for two straight hours and then you're just done. You can't do it anymore. And then you have to take a long break and come back, you know, in the afternoon. So I'm sort of getting going all over the place. That was just to get that one project done really quickly. But the original question was how many projects are working on any given time? And so what I'm trying to say is that. Writing multiple projects is one thing, working on could mean something completely different. So what am I working on right now of the big picture 12 projects? Most of those are not on any given day, I'm not doing anything. So when you're working on projects, um, I'm looking at my list right now and we have three pitches that we're doing. One is an adult live action sort of network pitch. What am I doing on any given day? Nothing. Waiting for meetings to happen. I've already developed that pitch. That was a time-intensive thing. I've gotten notes, got did a rewrite on it. More notes, more rewrites, whatever, whatever. That's done. It's ready to go to the town. We've been pitching it. I'm waiting for the next meeting. The next meeting's in two weeks. So that's nothing. So am I working on it? Sort of. Yes. It's on my list. It's a pretty important project. I'm not doing anything on any given day. I have two other pitches that are kids and family. One is uh, I think they're both yeah both live action what's happening on those nothing waiting for meetings so a lot of this business is waiting and when you acknowledge that you're waiting around all the time that's why you need 12 projects to ke- to keep you busy if you just have one project that you're doing a pitch on then you're just going to sit around waiting for the meetings to happen and then you pitch the thing and then you're waiting for the next meeting and you're waiting for an answer so since there's so much waiting you need to be working on things that actually require your attention so today we are working on a, our, our number one priority is a live action feature comedy that we have a big producer attached to and two actors. And so it's very far along in the, in the attachment process, It's being it's in the packaging. And so it's being ready to go out to the town for sale. So we're not being paid for it because we haven't sold it, but we feel confident that it's got a really good shot because we have all these elements attached. So that's our number one priority. And this is a script that we already wrote. So there was already a draft. Now we're dealing with a large number of notes from various sources. And so we're doing a massive rewrite on that. That's Mm. the deadline that that I'm trying to get Mm. done Mm. to get that script done before a certain deadline, which I'm not gonna tell you why there's a certain deadline, but that's our number one project that's taking 90% of our time. And when I say it's our number one project, that goes into the morning slot. We're much Mm -hmm. more productive in the morning. I'll go into my schedule in a little while, but at 8am I'm at my desk, write for two and a half straight hours, 10.30 I take my first break. So Mm -hmm. if during that time I could get 100% of my writing done for the day and I'll be basically done for the rest of the day and I could be answering emails or on Twitter or whatever. So the number one project is that feature that's not a paid project but is a spec uh, feature that's the thing i'm on deadline for.
0: So among the 8 to 10 projects that you have on your your list to your left, yeah. um are there any that are in outline phase as well or are the rest just pitches that you're you're not getting Yes, i'll t-
2: are- i'll tell you everything. So Oh, tell us. The one project that we're being paid for is an animated feature. That's the one that we wrote in 2 weeks that we're waiting it's just, you know, waiting for notes so there's nothing to do on it. Yeah. Then there is a project that we're waiting for an answer on that we're just have already pitched. Then this is the, f- the feature. Our number one project is this live action film. Then we have our three pitches. Like I said, two our kids and family, one is adult. Those three pitches, occasionally meetings happen and those, mm-hmm. you know, slot into the schedule and become the number one priority for that day. Then we have, three projects that we're also trying to write. Okay, so mm-hmm. number one of those that are new projects is an hour-long pilot that I have already outlined, or, or we, my wife and I, have already outlined, and I'm taking a pass at the first draft of that. There is also a half-hour uh, pilot that we're specking that my wife is working on, and that's something that is... These are sort of distant second projects. Like I actually was working on that right before this podcast, because that was sort of my afternoon project. We were done with the other thing for the morning. So I was working on that in the afternoon. She's working on the other one. So those are things that are in the middle of being written. And then the third thing that we're trying to write, which is a distance fourth, most important project, is another uh, live action feature film, and that's being outlined. So you really have to have put your producing cap on and talk to your representatives if you have them and say, What is the most important thing to get done? Okay, well, the thing you're being paid for. Okay, I get it. Then what? Okay, this thing that you think you can sell that has a big producer attached. Great. Then what? Just mm-hmm. work yeah. out what's the priority. And even though, so then there's going to be a trade off. I actually am very passionate about this hour long thing that I'm trying to do that I've been trying to write it for years. So I'm like, It's a personal thing. It's not something that the reps are like, Oh, this is a This would be amazing. We can't wait to sell this. They're like, okay, you're into it. Great. So it's a little bit of a a skepticism on that one, but I love it. So there's the passion that's making me put that one higher on the list. Yeah. The thing that should be higher on the list, according to them, is the other film project. And the reason is because if the one we're we're rewriting that already has actors attached goes out and sells, having another one would be really good to have. Mm Right, right. And saying, oh, that one sold? Great. Here's the other one. So- that, unfortunately, is in the outlining phases, so phase, so it's very behind uh, schedule-wise the other ones.
1: Yeah, and I was going to ask, are your reps always up to date with everything that you're writing? And do they check in about it, or is it just...
2: It's more the other way around. It's more right. like we say, hey, we, have, we just finished this. We want to have a conversation about what we should be spending our time on. It's always like, what do you think we should be spending our time on? Because right. here's, here's our 12 things. You tell us you're the people that are going to have to sell it. You tell us what's the best use of our time. And they say, mm-hmm. oh, you should write this other film project. And we say, okay, noted, that becomes an important project. But the thing I'm really passionate about maybe is secretly something I'm more excited about. So maybe I'll, in my schedule, be competing between the thing that I actually want to do more versus the thing that they want me to do more, but they're both up there. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so then there's Then there's way distant things that are kind of what I call back burner things that are like my graphic novel that I've been trying to get done for several years. You know, Mm -hmm. is that ever really something that's on the list or is it not even on the list? I don't know. (laughs) So there's a bunch of stuff that's like kind of not really even on the list.
0: I think that's so important, too, because I find myself um, more organized and more functional as a writer when I do go to my manager and make her sit down with me and go through my calendar and say, "Okay, what are the priorities? What should I be working on this week? What are the two projects I need to be working on? And then okay, I can just focus on those. and Then the next week I can bring in a new project, but don't work on it until that third week. And it's very helpful to have someone, your rep in particular, to to go through that with you. So it's interesting you do that as well.
2: Yeah, and that's a good point, Tasha, because um, something that we do that might be helpful to the listeners is we have like a Google Doc that's just called Status of Projects. And Mm. we share it with them and say, and it changes from time to time, obviously, but we'll say like, hey, let's have a quick Status of Projects Discussion. Here's what's going on. Here's things. And it's usually like waiting for an answer, waiting for an answer, waiting for an answer. But it might be like, here, look at this list. Do you feel like something on this list should go higher in priority? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have to have periodic updates, because Typically, your reps are not going to be calling you, unless you have some sort of amazing reps that I've never heard of before, they don't call you up and say like, hey, let's just go over your stuff and make sure you're you know, utilizing your time correctly. They mm-hmm. don't do that. It's more <laughs> the other way around. You have to say like, hey, I'm thinking about writing this thing. Do you think it's a good use of my time? And then you might be surprised to find out they go, no, don't write that. That's never going to sell. Because it's it's always a balance in this business of what are you passionate about versus what can sell? Because if you're passionate about something that everyone thinks has got no chance of selling, I'm not going to say don't write it because maybe prove them wrong. Maybe, you know, like all the great success stories you hear about, all these passion projects that everyone thought was not a winner and then it turned out to win the best picture Academy Award. But then there's all the ones you don't hear about where everyone was right and it didn't sell and it was just a complete waste of time. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard to say, you know, I'm not saying it's it's the dilemma, you know, you don't want to be the hack that's like I'm only writing things that can sell and I don't all I care about is the marketplace, but if you're just going to like completely turn a blind eye to your reps saying like this is not a good genre to be trying to write in right now or this is not, you know, something that I think we could sell, you know, at least factor yeah. that in.
0: It's 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 what makes sort of giving advice or talking to other writers so difficult in our business because it's never black and white and it is like a case by case basis. Yeah. And um it, you know it's 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 so hard to because I'm I agree I'm the same. Please work on everything that you're passionate about, but also please listen to your reps <laughs> because they have a perspective that's very important and unique and um that you don't have. Can I ask you, because I'm so curious, do you, because it sounds like you have it so clear in your head when you work on things during the day and also just during the week and month. So how do you schedule yourself literally? Like, do you have a to-do list that you mark off? Do you have it up on your whiteboard? Like, how do you actually schedule that out?
2: Yeah. So there's something, when we were running uh, No Good Nick, we, we developed something called The Forecast, which was a little thing that I wrote. We have all all the walls on that show in the writer's room were white um, board paint. Oh. So we didn't just have a whiteboard. The whole room was a whiteboard. That's,
1: That's my dream, by the way. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was amazing. Oh took it into wh- whiteboard paint. So okay. behind my head, I would always have a little Monday through Friday calendar, and it would just say, and it said, forecast. And the idea was, I can't guarantee this is what we're going to work on two days from now, but just to give you a heads up of what we're probably going to work on, this is the forecast for what we're going to work on. It's like, we're going to be breaking episode 105 on Thursday. On th- Friday, we're going to be revising 104, whatever. Mm. And then as you get closer to that day, it might change. But what we're doing the next day never change because at the end of the day, we'd say, okay, so when we get here tomorrow, what are we working on? We're working on this. And so that part, when you're at the end of one day, you always know what you're working on the first thing the next day. I love and that so idea. you tell the writers in the room, you know, and of course you're going to chit chat and like whatever waste a little bit of time, watch some videos, whatever. But when you start working, no one's like, okay, so what are we doing today? Because we've already told you the day before and if you want to think about it or you say, start thinking about some jokes or start thinking about some storylines or we're going to pitch stories, start thinking about them tonight, you have a little bit of homework. So the same thing goes when we don't have a writer's room. At the end of every day, my wife and I decide what we're going to work on in the morning. We know what the plan is and mm. you know sometimes it changes, but for the most part, we have an agenda of what we're going to do and what we're, how much we're going to accomplish. And when there's a lot of stuff going on, when it's pretty chill, like right this week we're just writing this one thing, we don't really have to put it literally on our calendars because we know we're working on this thing. We're on page 73, we got to pick up on page 73. Mm-hmm. But in a scenario like a couple of months ago where we um, were writing a feature and we got a set of notes from DreamWorks to do a revision then it's like okay let's go to the calendar we have a google calendar it's shared between the two of us and we put them as tasks we don't put them as events or or goals because those seemed like a little bit wrong so we say 8am task work on this project get 10 pages written then it'll say like 12:30 working on project 2 work on revisions for 2 hours whatever it is and it just like shows up as part of your calendar so you're not going to book anything else during that time. Mm. So then at the end of the day because Google Calendar lets you do it as a task, when you do it, you just check it off and it sh- it's still there but it's basically has a line through it that says that you accomplished that goal. It's so unlike a meeting which shows up differently and like you don't check off a meeting, it just happens. A task in Google Calendar gets checked off. So we and sometimes we might say like, okay, we need to book the whole week. So let's say because if you're saying, oh, we need to get um, 100 pages written by you know, three weeks from now, then we'll literally go through it and say, okay, we need to do 10, 20, 30, 40. And it'll just say on the calendar, Monday, 10, Tuesday, 20, mm-hmm. Wednesday, 30. And it'll say 10 you know, days from now, RD, rough draft. Then it'll say R, revisions. And it'll say 1D, first draft, 2D, second draft. And mm-hmm. you know what day you're gonna have a rough draft, what day you're gonna first draft, what day you're gonna turn it in because you've just scheduled it and you schedule enough time to make that realistic. We know how fast we can write, so we're not gonna schedule like, oh, we need to write 50 pages today. And we're also not gonna say we need to write three pages today because that's too little.
1: Just something that I love that that you do is like, I'm such a big fan of coming up with terms that, like forecast, like I need that on a whiteboard. I don't know what it is like (laughs) mentally, I need that in tasks. I like obsess about that. I'll take yeah. 20 to 30 minutes to figure out the right word it's like, I'm going to work in my office. I'm going to name my office something awesome. <laughs> what should I name it? Like, that sounds like to me like
0: procrastination.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm the, that's, that's why I'm so excited right now is because I am a master of procrastinating. Like. Oh, I just ate a bad cookie. I need another cookie. You know, I need a good taste in my mouth when I start writing, like things like yeah. that. So
0: I don't think Dave procrastinates. No. It feels like, like Dave. What is, just is this? Well,
1: <laughs>
2: well, it's weird. It's like I think it it's just because I'm older and I've like more, I used to procrastinate a lot more, but as I've gotten older, I just set a time to procrastinate. And I just goof off during the goof off time.
0: Shut your mouth, Dave. You schedule in procrastination. <laughs> well, I don't
2: put it on the calendar. But like if I say I'm gonna write for two and a half hours, you notice that I said I write from eight to ten thirty and then the next one is twelve thirty. Uh-huh. So what's happening between those two hours? So what is
0: happening or do you just, is that, is that your Twitter time? Your
2: no, you're going to, you're going to laugh. You're going to make it seem like I'm even bigger dork than I've just set this up. Like I'm like playing video games, but the truth is that at 1030 is when I go exercise and that is also when I watch TV because my system is that I exercise while watching hour long shows. That's how I can like binge a show and be up on my TV watching. Mm -hmm. And it's also my incentive to exercise. I don't watch TV except when I'm exercising. So I wanna watch the finale of Picard this morning. So I'm like, I'm super excited, but I'm not gonna not exercise. So I am on the elliptical for whatever 45 minutes to however long the episode is. And it's like a good system to get my exercise in.
0: I am and- so happy by the schedule because it makes me, so, like, just getting, to, yeah, getting your TV. I don't get to watch TV because I yeah. don't schedule it in, and that is absolutely the perfect time to do it. You schedule in your binge TV watching, and yeah. I love it so much.
1: Yeah. Let's go. Well, I want to hear the, the the schedule. Yeah. What, what does the day look like? You open your eyes. At what time?
2: This might be because I'm a little bit older, but... I do wake up at 6.30 every morning because that's what time my dog wakes me up. Mm-hmm. And he sits at the edge of the bed waiting for me to open my eyes. Then he jumps on the bed and it's time to go out. So 6.30 is mm-hmm. walk the dog. Then around 7 as I start making breakfast, uh, I'm usually the one that makes breakfast for the whole family. I've got two kids. Yeah. So then I try to get to my desk by 8. So 8 o'clock to 10.30 is usually prime time writing. And if I get to my desk at 7.30, then I can like goof off and look at Twitter, read the news, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at 8 o'clock, I'm usually writing. So with Kichi, that's my wife's name, sometimes I'll start ahead of her and she'll join me. But we're pretty hardcore writing till 10.30. 10.30 is when I go exercise for about 45 minutes. And then there's also another dog walk. There's a lot of dog walking. And people when I, in my neighborhood It's like, why did your dog need to go on a walk so much? And I walk him about six times a day. And I try to explain to them, like... It's not for him. It's for me. Yeah. It's my exercise. And yeah, he also gets the exercise, but he doesn't need to go on six walks a day. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he goes on his walk at 6.30. We say, let's go exercise together. He actually doesn't exercise. He just sits there, but he enjoys going to the exercise room. And then after that, we go on a second walk. Then I have a very early lunch because I like eating early. So usually 11.30 is lunch. And then 12.30 is back to writing, typically, mm-hmm. sometimes one, whatever. If we have a meeting, it's generally in the afternoon because that's the less important writing time. But if they offer us only in the morning, we do it in the morning. And that could be um, a situation where I might go exercise at 7.30 and have the meeting at 10.30.
0: Can I can I interrupt you for a second? And I hate to do this, but I am curious about how you schedule your meetings, especially because you are so um, fastidious about when your schedule is. Because I find... As soon as I schedule a meeting in the morning, because that's the only time they have, my, that's my prime brain writing time and sometimes my day can kind of get ruined if I have to go take this meeting in the morning. Um, how do you adjust if you have to do that?
2: In When it was in real life, we would do the meetings in the morning because it was too hard. We live in Santa Monica and driving to the valley in the afternoon is impossible. So you had no choice. We wanted to do a 10.30 or 11 a.m. meeting that was the best time to... Uh, to do a meeting where you had to go there. In the pandemic where you're doing Zoom meetings, it's the opposite. We prefer to do a three o'clock meeting, four o'clock meeting where we're done anyway. So if you want to meet with us at three o'clock, it doesn't matter, we've already done all our writing. Or if the only meeting available is in the morning, it it's usually 11 o'clock, that's kind of the prime meeting time. And it doesn't matter, then I just switch my exercise to first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So it's during my exercise. but. No one is typically asking you to meet with them at 9 a.m. You're right, That's too early for a meeting. God, and so if we're getting all our meetings, if we're getting our writing done from 8.30 to 10.30, the earliest typical meeting is going to be 10. And it's only cutting a half an hour of our writing. Mm-hmm. So it's usually never going to interfere with our writing. And we can always not write in the afternoon to do an afternoon
1: meeting.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever, because you, you say you write out these tasks of this time to this time is when I do it. Do you... Try to as much as you can, anyways. Tell um, producers whoever you're working with, I can't meet during these times because that's my writing time, which I think is important. You do have to consider that time. You know, you're working. You have meeting a meeting with yourself during that time, or do you just kind of let it be a little bit more free flowing?
2: Yeah, we never tell them that. We don't like get in. We don't reveal like our schedule to anyone. Mm-hmm. So like, because the way it works in practice is that whoever's setting the meeting, whether it's our agent or our manager, their assistant is sending us a set of times. And they say, so-and-so wants to meet with you for a general, or you have a pitch with this company on this project. Here's the times that their assistant is telling us are their availabilities. And they usually give you several times. And then we just pick the one we want. So it's not a question of like telling anyone, oh, we can't meet at this time because we're writing. It is we just don't pick the time that we don't want. So if they say, here's five times, we pick the one that works best with our schedule and say, great, let's pick this one. So it's not because you're dealing between two assistants. It's never like comes to the producer's attention that you've refused a morning meeting because you were writing. It just never gets to that stage. It's just, we typically aren't going to pick that time. But then then again, if it's like super important, if it's general meeting, that's one thing. If it's like a pitch we've been waiting for and they're like, hey, we want to do the pitch at 10 AM. We're like, great. We'll just want write in that morning or we'll write in the afternoon. It's mm-hmm. We're flexible. We're never going to say we refuse to meet because we have a writing time scheduled. We can always either not write that time or just move it to a different time slot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So going back, I think we left off at your schedule around 1230. You picked back So that Yeah. So
2: then we're either writing the second project, the second most important project in the afternoon, which sort of answers the question of how do you switch gears between two projects? Is that I've just exercised, watched a, yep. a TV show while I'm exercising too, which is actually pretty important mentally because now I've used some other show to clear my memory of what I was thinking about on my project and then I've had lunch. And so now I'm able to like go into a completely different project and think about that because I've had this cleansing period um, or we're just back into the first project. So there's no second project and we're just writing um, more of the same or we're you know, outlining something else or developing something else or taking meetings or whatever. And that period, you know, might go from 1230 to three. And there's going to be dog walks throughout that. And so it might be like, okay, let's take a break. I'm going to go walk the dog. Yeah. And typically we're going to, unless we're really busy, like trying to get a lot of stuff done, we're done by four, usually. Sometimes three, sometimes it just depends. If we're like, you can't force yourself to do um, to write and be creative if your brain is tired. Yeah. so we just say, okay, we're done for the day and it could be two o'clock and just whenever you're done, you're done and, and like we're not gonna be productive anymore. It's like when you're a showrunner and these old-fashioned showrunners that make the staff stay all night and they're not generating any good material because it's three in the morning, it's pointless. So we when we were running our show, we'd say we go home at six. we can go home five if we can, but we're not staying past seven because you can't get anything done. Mm-hmm. So same thing with us. We don't write past three or four o'clock and then we're doing other stuff, you know, like we, the kids are home, we're getting ready for dinner. We're just doing other things. So the, you know, life work, work, life balance is oh, the, amazing day.
0: that part that's of the day. Amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, and I think, honestly, I really think the dog walking, the working out, like taking those breaks throughout a day are so, at least for me, it, you know, it sounds like for you as well, like just really important to kind of keep resetting your brain and keeping yourself fresh because I don't know if this happens to you, but if I sit at a computer for an extended period of time, my brain just like I it's just foggy. And it's like you said, I'm not productive at all. I'm writing terrible words. Like things just don't make sense. But yeah, I don't have a dog, but I should just take more just walks. Get, take your <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 A and it's like child.
2: and by the way, you know, like everyone knows like if you get stuck, you know, sometimes you think of the best ideas in the shower. Well, part of my process, as I've told you, is that I'm exercising mm-hmm. at 1030. And so I'm usually taking a shower at like 11 or 1130 or whatever. So like you've already been writing in the morning. So now all the ideas are coming to you because I'm not showering first thing in the morning. I'm showering kind of in the middle of the day. And then also when you're going these dog walks, you know, it's, you're, it's letting your subconscious do the work. It's like, okay, we're stuck on this thing. I don't know what to do. I'm going to go for a walk. And then- You just let the subconscious figure it out. Then Mm -hmm. you usually come back with the answer.
1: So kind of just shifting off of that a little bit. So you have all these projects that you're working on. Have you ever been late delivering a project? What do you think? (laughs) I I think not a chance in hell. (laughs) After hearing you, I don't
2: think- The problem we always have is like, we we get done with the script and we plan on having like a rough draft, like weeks before it's due. Then we do the rewrite and we plan on rewriting it for three weeks and we do it in one and we're like, it's done. And we're like, now what? Should we turn it in early? No, you can never turn it in early. They'll think you didn't spend enough time on it. And we're like, yeah, but we're done. Which we just turn it. It's always like, should we turn it in early? And then it's like, oh well, maybe we'll send it to some friends see what other people think. So it's always getting done early because we overestimate how long the rewrite process is going to take. But no, we don't turn things in late.
0: Dave, Dave, let me just tell you about my last (laughs) weekend. I went to go. I had I had a deadline on Monday, and I went to go. I just happened to have scheduled going to see my wedding venue the weekend prior to this Monday deadline. So I was with my fiance at our wedding venue writing frantically over the weekend. <laughs> I love you. Okay. Yeah. I love you. Okay. Oh, wow. And I am a, and I consider myself a very scheduled, I have a to-do list. I've written out schedules for my screenplay of like this date to this date is what I'm going to do these scenes. And I, I just, I'm trying yeah. to wrap my head around this. Like, it feels like it's magic, but you yeah. say it was. It's such. It's just so obvious. And I'm. I guess I'm curious. Is it consistency? Like, you've just over time, this is the schedule, and it's just because you've done it so much. It's now just that's how it is every day.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it also comes from experience. I mean, it's it's that we've been doing it for a long time. I mean, like I said. I've Sold my first script in 1999. So it's been 23 years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things you develop, hopefully, you're getting better as a writer and you're learning tricks of the trade to like make your writing more impactful and whatever. But you're also learning how to do it more efficiently and to have better first drafts. And, you know, none of this really would be possible if we weren't able to write quickly. Mm -hmm. So if I have to write 10 pages, I can write those 10 pages and they're pretty good. I'm not saying I'm like, I'm not saying that I'm the greatest writer in the world, but I'm saying that my rough draft 10 pages are pretty close to as good as they're going to get from me to my final draft pages. You know, you, you might say, well, your final draft pages aren't any good either. But <laughs> the point is that <laughs> the point is that I'm not taking, I'm not doing a vomit draft. I don't really believe in that. And like the, I don't, Like make it happen in the rewrite and all of a sudden it gets good, the first draft is like 90% as good as the final draft. And Mm. part of that is because massive outlining. So we spend a a, lot of time on the outline. So when we're writing, uh, whether it's a pilot or a feature or whatever, it could be months of outlining to get a very detailed twenty-page outline, and I use outlining software. That's actually really cool software that mm. really allows you to move things very quickly. It's um, I don't think they make it anymore. It's kind of a uh, it was uh, originally for like paralegals. Um, it's called Case Note, but but it's just like a super simple program that doesn't do anything except outline, and it just allows you like if you move. A scene to a different scene, it just renumbers it automatically. It's very simple to use. You can do it in Word, but Word's a little bit more difficult. And like, we also have Scrivener. That's like, takes a long time, a long time to figure out how to use that. It's like got so many features that it's like a little bit daunting. Mm. This is like nothing. It's just like numbers things correctly. When you move them, it renumbers them correctly. That's all it does. So massive outlines. And then I've said this before on Twitter, but our process is when we're writing a draft, we take that outline and turn it into a Word document, cut it, paste it into the final draft document. So we never have zero. We always have, I don't know, 15, 20 pages from day one because it's the outline. It's the outline sitting in final draft and then right over it. So you're saying fade in opening scene. You're typing over the outline of the opening scene Mm. and replacing the outline with the script so that you're adding pages but you're also subtracting outline. So oh, you know, I see. it's getting longer, but it's also getting shorter. So because also psychologically, you're never at zero. So you don't feel like, oh, I have to write this whole thing and I've got nothing. You have this massive outline. Yeah. All you need to do is fill it in with you know, the script. Mm-hmm. So that outlining process enables us to be able to like hit the ground running. So when it comes to writing a script, it's like, it's fun to like take the outline parts and turn it into script pages. And the first 10 pages are super easy because it's a lot of th- you can just put the slug lines in and get 10 pages. Just, yeah. just translating the outline into like what the scene headings are. If you're like, Oh, I don't feel like writing today. You could just do that and you'd have your 10 pages.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So the first 10 pages are easy. You could write 20 pages in the first day, very easily. 30 pages in three days is easy. You know, once you get into Act two, then it gets harder. <laughs> and then, A lot of times what we're doing is we might say – we might do a schedule where it's like 10, 10, 10, 5, 5, 5, 5 from the rest Mm -hmm. of the way. It might be 5 Mm -hmm. because it it gets harder when you're in Act 2 depending on what the schedule is. You know, you might not do 10 every day. It might be 20, 15, 10, 5, and then 5 from the rest. Mm -hmm. And that might be 20 days of writing.
0: Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: So I tried I tried this method it, I didn't do I didn't do um page page count I did I did scenes and I assigned them days I did the whole thing and then my mom visited huh. and then uh, <laughs> suddenly I lost about four days and when you lose four days in a schedule like you're talking about that's that's a that's a pretty that's 40 pages right that, you, that you've just yeah. lost so out of curiosity when when your mom visits <laughs> <James> <laughs> tell me how to handle this now, what, no well happens- actually I
2: have I have an answer for that though I have an answer for that because yeah, my mom doesn't visit unexpectedly, but th- shit happens. You know, yeah. life happens. And you have to take mental um health breaks. If if shit happens and you need to, to stop, you need to stop. You can't write through that. And like people are like, you need to write every day. You need to get your pages in no matter. I do not believe in that. And by the way, you have to ask yourself, well, what is this deadline? So when you are talking about like I need I'm four days behind on your deadline, is that because Someone's giving you hundred thousand dollars, and you need to turn it in by next Friday, or you're going to get fired. That's one kind of deadline. It's another kind of deadline. You're like, well, I would like to get this to my my agent because I told my agent that I was going to get it to him next Friday. And then what happens if you say, you know what, I need another week? They'll be like, all right, I wouldn't want to read it anyway. You know, like what's the de- what's <laughs> what's the deadline and how much of a real deadline is that? If it's like someone paying you. If it's a TV show that's in production, that's a that's a deadline you cannot miss. Then you're working through the pain. You know, if you're like, well, we need this episode because we're shooting it next week, that's a deadline that is much more important. than there's the I'm being paid and I but even if you're being paid, you can say, like, hey, look, I had a problem. My mom came to visit and there's a there's an issue. Can I have another week? And they'll be like, Of course. Even if you're under contract, they'll tell you, like, take another week mm-hmm. if it's a serious thing. So like A lot of things happen in the world, especially lately, that maybe requires you to take a break. And, like, I'm not going to go into specifics, but I think we know what we're all talking about. Like, things happen in world events that make it hard for you to focus. And if you need, yeah, Things, things have been going on. Yeah. And if you need to, like, take the day off, take the day off. Yeah. You know, just like, veg out, whatever, go on a walk, go to the beach, do whatever you need to do. That's, you know, you're, do yoga, whatever it is that you need to do to get into the right state of mind. Because writing, forcing yourself to write when you're not in the mo- mindset is not good for you. You're not the pages aren't going to be good, but even more so, you're going to make yourself more miserable. So please do not write when you're not in the mood to write. If you're just feeling lazy, that's different. But yeah. if you have a problem, then take the day off. And and again, it goes to like who's going to get mad at you if you don't meet your deadline that's the question and can you ask for an extension
1: yeah this i think this is just really important because personally i I've, I've i have been very hard on myself you know if you set a deadline for yourself you miss it you're like i i i suck i'm like the worst i miss this i let myself down i fucking and then you just start you co- you come at your you're you're saying these really negative things, but you you come from like a place of empathy where it's it's a very healthy place, which I feel like is the place he that sounds most.
0: Very kind to himself, and, mm. and that's that's my big takeaway here. I
2: didn't uh, I didn't always used to be this again. Like I'm not I keep uh, be the point that I'm older, but I'm you know <laughs> no. I'm fifty I'm fifty two, and like I'm at a point where like I've learned some lessons that I wasn't always this way, and and I think that you know. You just need to like be like exactly what you said. You just need to be kind to yourself. Yeah.
1: yeah, we we have a our close friend Dave Levinson. We call him Zen Dave because of how Zen he is. And I feel like we might have to retire that name and pass we have it a new over zen to Dave. you. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's listening to this, like what?
2: But you know, by the way, like another thing, and not to like make you feel like you did something wrong, but like. When we set page goals, we don't set scene goals. We don't set. We don't say, we're going to write for two and a half hours. We say, we're going to write this many pages mm-hmm. and get those pages done. And then you try to beat them. You know, if you say, I'm going to write 10 pages, yeah. you might say, well, you know what? I'm going to write 16 instead. Like when you looked at that thread that I wrote back in January, February, when I was trying to get those pages done, it was like, I need to be on page 30 today. I'm on page 37. Then the next day is I need to be on page 40. Now I'm on page 52. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're getting ahead, not because you want to get... You want to beat the schedule because you're building in contingency. You know, when you're doing a budget for something and it's like, here's the budget, and then there's 10% contingency in case something goes wrong. That's your contingency. Mm. So you build in a contingency of, oh, what happens if my mom comes to visit or What happens if, you know, the Supreme Court does something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. then, then you're like, okay, well, I have built it in. Now I didn't get anything done on Thursday, but it's okay because I was already ahead.
0: Yeah, I love thinking about it that way. That's super smart. I definitely I definitely overwork myself and, and have mental breakdowns as a result. And it's just not the way this needs to be, clearly. Um, so it's it's helpful to know that there's that someone is functioning on a completely different way of doing things really well and successfully um, because it feels like you have to be manic to just get the job done because there are just so many deadlines all the time. Everyone is always at some kind of emergency level where I need this because director only has two days to read it and does he though? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate that, and I think it's a it's a function of communication. It's like mm-hmm. if a director saying I I need this because I only have two days available and they're telling you on Monday that they need it by Wednesday. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me last week? It's like telling me that you need something tomorrow is bad communication on their part. So I think that like, if you're giving people expectations, I'll give you an example. Um, We got to a certain page today and we texted the producers on this project and said, just a heads up. We're really cruising. We're doing, uh, we wrote this really great scene. We'll have you a new draft by the next Friday. Mm -hmm. And we're just like, a, it commits us. Now we know we have to do it because yep. we told them. And it tells them where we are. And they're like, it's just about communication. They're not like, oh, I wonder what they're doing. Are they goofing off? Or are they writing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. know where we are. They know when they get the script. And they can plan their day. They can say, oh, next Friday, I need to like make sure I have that weekend free to read. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Or maybe they won't. But you know, it's like yeah. telling, people <laughs> when, telling people when they're going to get a script. We always tell them ahead of time. Say, hey, agent manager, uh, next weekend. Or, hey, here's something you can do, a little tip. We sometimes say, like, oh, we're gonna have a draft of this done by next Friday. Is that a good time for you to read? And they mm. say, actually, I'm going out of town. I have a wedding in Italy. Oh, okay. Well, we'll give it to you. When I would it be a better that. time? That's yeah. Yes. Flip, turn it. Uh, yeah, what is it? When's a better time? They say, Well, if you got it done this weekend, I could do it this weekend. You go great. We'll crank and get it done. Or that happens one percent of the time, 99% yeah. of the time they say, Well, just give it to us the next weekend. All of yeah. a sudden you're like, wait, I've been rushing to get this done by next Friday. I never even asked, and they're out of town guess what? You have an extra week. You didn't even know about it.
0: Yeah. That's, that's.
2: So ask the people that you're turning it into, are they available to read it when you're going to turn it in? Say, this is my plan is to get it to you. Hey, this is going to take me six weeks. I'm going to get it to you on this date. Is that going to, as you get closer, I'm ahead of schedule. I'm behind schedule. Does this date still work for you? Hey, it's going to be done next Tuesday. Does that work for you? Oh, you're out of town. Okay. Okay. What's a new date that's better for you? Just mm-hmm. communicate so now you can keep adjusting what your deadline is because maybe your deadline's not really a deadline.
0: Yeah. Can I ask the, a sort of arty question, which is I'm going to do 10 pages today and that's how my schedule is going to function so that I'm turning this in on time. But when you go from your 8 a.m. to 10.30 time, it's just not coming out. It's just not working, the scene's not working. Maybe you've written for two and a half hours, but you know you gotta go back and rework it because it's just not happening. So you don't get your 10 pages done that day. Does that happen frequently or not at all? Because you have a writing partner, I know that can sometimes help shoulder the load.
2: That doesn't happen too much, and here's why. We try to identify problems like that in the outline. And if it's like, this scene seems wonky, or it seems difficult then there's a problem with the outline with the characters the motivations there's a fundamental problem because honestly it should be a joy to write those scenes it's still work and it's stress it's not stressful it's it's strenuous and it's taxing on your brain but it's more or less executing something that you've already figured out so it tends to be more of a joyful experience and if it's not then I made a mistake somewhere before and I need to just skip that and move it. And I might just say, this scene's got a problem and I'll just skip it and go to the next scene Mm. and write. Essentially I write the easy stuff. That's the fun stuff. And if you've done an amazing outline, it's all that it's all fun. It's all easy. And if there's scenes that are like really, really challenging and you're not sure why it's taking so long to figure it out, that outline's got a problem. Yeah. I mean, that's just my view. I mean, I know different people disagree, but I don't just, you're obviously discovering things in the writing and you're going, oh, you know, I thought this would work in the outline, but it turns out this doesn't make any sense. But if it's just like, I don't even know how to start the scene, I'm not sure what they would say, that's a bigger problem than. Execution, that's an outline problem.
0: Yeah. You're the second pers- second writer within like a two week span who said kind of this exact thing. We we did a, an episode recently where we talked about an interview that Tony Gilroy gave about going to script. And his whole thing was I want to be on script for as little time as possible. My process is mostly outline. And then I spend yep. as little time as possible because that's where I want to have fun, is what he said, which is exactly what you're saying. And I think. That's a shift that I, I need to make um, as well, because while I do outlines, I very much am the person who's like, I'll figure it out in the mm-hmm. draft. I know yeah. this is problematic, but I'll figure it out then. And I never do. You're right. It's always a yeah. problem that takes me two days instead of one.
2: And hey, maybe other writers can do it that way. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that my way is the only way. And it's just what works for me. So like other writers are like, I don't use an outline. I just like write mm-hmm. and see what happens. And I do 20 drafts. And maybe that works for a lot of successful people i don't know mm-hmm. but i find that you test the the concept and the characters in the outline and if you're not generating fun scenes in your outline then you have a problem with your premise or your characters it's, it goes even bigger to the fundamental core and by the way there's been outlines that we've abandoned you know plenty of times that never got to script stage because you're like this outline isn't good there's a problem here and I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to write a script where the outline isn't fun. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to like have an outline where you're that's making you excited to write and you're like putting dialogue into the outline because you're already thinking of so many things or go, Ooh, I know. And if you have a high concept idea, you know, not all of them are, but if you do you're like, Oh, and they would do this and they would do this and they would do this. And it's just, you're generating all these ideas that are going into the outline. And so then it's fun to write those scenes. But if you're having a hard time writing the outline, then Maybe the idea is not right.
0: Yeah.
1: So I know you're a sniper with time. We've talked to you for a very long time. Oh, we can I keep d- going for a little more. All right, all right, because you know I, I feel like you might be you might be off schedule now, and it kind of sniper with me, time. I,
0: by the way, is the title of something?
1: <laughs> I mean, no,
2: you know it. You know from talking to me. Now it's five o'clock, and I'm, I've been done for the day for several hours.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to totally shift from like time management stuff, but I actually wanted to ask about. These meetups that you do, because mm-hmm. I feel like everyone knows about your meetups, and if they don't, they should, because I hear they're amazing. I haven't been to one, even though the location is just a walk down the the street for me. But can can you kind of speak to this uh, writers meetup that you do?
2: Sure. Um- so we started doing these um, last summer when there was a lull in the pandemic. I can't remember which uh, Greek letter of the COVID was we were in the middle of. I think it was maybe after Delta before Omicron. So there was a lull in June and you know we had just gone through whatever, 18 months of pandemic, and we all thought it was over. So to sort of celebrate, I organized uh, a meetup and it's just completely open to whoever. You don't have to have any specific credentials. You don't even have to be a writer. You, actress came. And I just put it out there on Twitter and said, we're meeting at this bar called the Santa Monica Brew Works on a Wednesday night. And that's and the people at the Santa Monica Brew Works, who I've become friends with now, they've picked Wednesday night because that's their slowest night. They said you can have the whole place to yourself. You don't have to reserve it. You don't have to buy out the place. You don't have to spend any money. People can just buy their own drinks. So most bars, if you want to have a hundred people show up, you need to buy the place out. They're like, just come on a Wednesday. You're fine. So we did this thing and it was like a hundred people showed up and it was super fun.
1: Can I ask, did you call them and just say, Hey, I'm I'm coming with a hundred people. Cool.
2: Yeah, well I emailed them, but yeah. Oh, okay. I just said, like, hey, can you I mean, I'm I live in Santa Monica, so I was aware of the place. I said, Hey, if we had a, a group of people and I don't want to pay any money up front to reserve any tables, could I just bring I don't know how many people yeah. I said I don't know how many people are shop, it could be fifty, it could be thirty, it could be a hundred. And they said, Yeah, that's fine, just come on a Wednesday night. And then a hundred people came and it was such a blast. We did it again the following month, and it got even bigger. It was like 125 people. Then the Omicron variant hit and then we shut it down for a while yeah and then then we brought it back when the case numbers started going down in um i want to say march we brought up i said oh we're back and we called it the west side writers Meetup. Mm-hmm. and i said this is not an actual writer's group it's just what i called it and it's always at this place that's convenient for me if you want to hang out you got to come <laughs> to me and we did another one in march and we had 200 people come uh-huh. and the, they had to wait in line. It was like, oh, we had, we were over. The bar was over capacity. They had to make people wait in line, and it became like kind of like this legend because people were like, I came to your meetup and I had to wait in line for forty five minutes to get in. Wow! So it gave me a lot of street cred. Like yeah. you know, when I throw a party, <laughs> and the thing about it that, that the innovation that makes it really cool is that first of all, no one's pitching any projects. No one's trying to net. There's no networking. It's just people hanging out. And yeah. I got a bunch of name tags and. I put, give everyone a name tag and we found that name tags were the key to everything because you walk into this bar and you see people wearing a name tag of, oh, they're with this they're with the writers, they're writers. And people go, oh, hey, Josh, how you doing? And they're like, oh, how do you know my name? Oh, because I'm wearing a name tag. Uh-huh. And so as we know, a lot of writers are introverts and people are shy and they don't want to go to this thing, especially not alone. They found that with name tags, people just come up to them and say, oh, you're with the writers group. Come over here. This is where we all are. We're over at this table. And it became very inviting and friendly and people got over their fears of coming to socialize and you know, whatever. Yeah. And so we had about 150, 175 people for the fourth one. I don't know when this is going to air, but the fifth one is on May 18th. Yeah. If this comes out before May 18th, please come. It's Wednesday night, at Santa Monica brew works. You can see the flyer on um, my Twitter. I'm coming. And so people, yeah, good, you should come. And people ask and by the way, and there's a lot of sales, points about it. One is that the you, it's all outside, so there's very few COVID fears. So they have this big patio and a parking lot. Number two, there's free parking. It's the only place in, in LA that has completely free parking and there's this huge parking lot, drive there, park there, absolutely free. Mm-hmm. Number three, it's people are like, oh, I live in Pasadena. I'm not going to come to Santa Monica. It's the reverse commute. Everyone's going from west to east at the end of the day, not east to west. So if you actually get on the 10 going west to Santa Monica, there's no traffic. People don't believe me, but when they, they get there in five minutes, they're like, oh, I guess there was no traffic. Mm-hmm. So there's all these incentives. And also it's right next to the transit line. So if you want to take the metro, you can walk from the metro to the brew house. It's right around the corner. So there's all these great reasons why it's easy for people and it was—it's been a huge hit. And people ask me, like, well, okay, well, I don't get it. What do you? Why do you do it? What are you getting out of it? I'm like, well, I charge people $9.99 a month for the subscription. No, there's <laughs> there's no there's no financial incentive, obviously. And, and in fact, we had a sponsorship opportunity. Uh, a guy said, hey, I want to like sponsor. If I give you a couple hundred dollars, can you put the name of my screenwriting contest on it? I'm like, hell no. Mm. Wow. I'm not gonna like have a screenwriting contest. You know, slapped on my flyer for a writer's yeah. thing. That's so cheesy. No mm-hmm. way, man. And it's like, even if he's like, well, "What if I buy everyone to drink?" I'm like, "No, I'm sorry. You're not going to buy out the the West Side Writers Meetup." Yeah. So the the re- the real reason, and this is a little going to be a little sappy, but the truth is that I always say when I first started out, I wish I had a mentor. I no one ever told me anything, and you can read on my Twitter all the tales of all the things that I did wrong and how I was an idiot and how like I sabotage my own career and didn't know how to take general meetings and I have a lot of threads about things that I didn't know and advice now that I give because I want people to not make the same mistakes so the reason why I had these get-togethers and it's not like a ton of work for me but you know I, I do take some time out of my day to organize these things because I'm just trying to pay back I have been very lucky in my career you know I think that I'm a talented writer of course but I also feel like there's a tremendous amount of luck in this business and I've been able to you know keep writing as a writer for 22 years I keep paying my getting my health insurance paid for so you yeah. know that's my my success story is that I've been a working writer for 22 years and I've had my ups and my downs but I've been doing this job and not had to get a different job <laughs> this whole time And that takes more than luck. That takes more than skill. It takes luck. And the fact that I've been so fortunate makes me really want to give back and try to help other people. And that's why I tell people my DMs are always open on Twitter. You can email me questions anytime you want. I answer everyone. I don't typically get a lot of crazy people bothering me. I just get like nice writers who have a question. There's a guy who's like, I have an arbitration coming up in a week. Can you help me? And I was like, this is a longer question than a dm here's my phone number let's talk and i walked them through oh. how to do the arbitration process and they're like they're just writers they're not like stalkers they're not going to like you know come mm-hmm. after me and so i'm pretty open with that and i feel like people have respected that and not abused the fact that my dms are always open so i'm just trying to and and these things are super fun for me you know and i'm yeah. probably like one of the old timers there and there's not a large percentage of people that are professionals, it's like mostly like assistants and like people on the verge of breaking in and people have questions and I'm happy to give them my two cents and see, if, you know, and I've, and I've made quite a few great relationships with people who are like, Oh, I got, I got a manager and, or I had a meeting and people have gotten jobs from these meetups. So they've been I love uh, hearing that, you know, there's really great stories. And like the thing that is important in this business is that it's not a zero sum game just because another writer becomes successful doesn't mean it takes away from you. And I think that, especially in the TV business where you're working together in a writer's room and it's collaborative, helping other writers doesn't hurt you. And I think there's a really good spirit of collaboration and just people being kind to each other that I really try to foster at these things. And people just have a good time. And it's not about like, you know, pitching stuff or getting people to read your script. It's just about, Supporting other writers and and like it's a stressful time, you know, with everything going on in the world and with the economy and with the writing business. It's just a chance to hang out with other writers and like vent.
0: Yeah, you're speaking to our soul. I mean, that's that's why we started Act Two. That's why we have the podcast as well. Is we had no one either coming up and we're we're making mistakes all the time. And it's important to share what we've done so that other people can learn from them and and prop other writers up. And I'm so glad that you you're building this community of writers because one of the biggest questions we always get is how do I get a writer's group or how do I just meet people Mm -hmm. who are other writers because we're so isolated. Of course pandemic adds a million things on top of that. So this is a fantastic opportunity. If you are in Los Angeles, anywhere in Los Angeles, because apparently the traffic is great going that way, um, <laughs> to just meet other people, and I'm sure writers groups have developed out of this, and just other people that are going through the same experience as you are. So please do those. Uh-huh. Um, we're we're finally going to start having act two events as well, probably more more on the east side for for other writers and communities as well. Because it's you're right, it's absolutely important not to just go and pitch and 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 to network, but to just. Finally, you've met someone who thinks like you and is going yeah. through the same issues as you.
2: Most of what people talk about these things is just like the shitty business and like bad things that happen to them and like, oh yeah, the same thing happened to me and that just feels good to like awesome. tell your war stories and
1: have other people be like, yep, been there. Does Very important to see people in person as well. Like you got to get off, I, I'm not saying to get off Twitter, but you just have to be around people and talk to human beings because- <laughs> You know, you just and people end up arguing on Twitter. or There becomes a weird discourse, and and I'm a big fan of the in-person get together.
2: Yeah. So come. Is this coming out before May 18th? It will. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. May 18th.
0: Dave, let's let's wrap up with a final thing. Of what advice would you have for writers like myself who are struggling <laughs> to do multiple projects at once? And I know that's probably very general, but
2: yeah. But I think it just goes back to prioritizing things make a you know write it down make a list what's the most important one to get done first and get feedback like i said earlier you know ask your reps so what do you think is the most important thing what am i most passionate about what do you think is the most uh, marketable let's come to an agreement on what i'm working on first and then what am i working on second and of course if you're being paid that's different if you have a real deadline you know those are all gonna factor in but whatever the, all the factors are make a list make a list and then put the put the number one into the number one time slot. And then if you need to get two things done at the same time, put number two into the number two time slot and just make two time slots. And if there's three things, if you're like, hey, look, I need to write this script, but I'm also need to work on this pitch, but I also need to do this outline. That's fine. Make three time slots. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it doesn't have to be, and whatever works for you, it could be nighttime weekends. I don't care what your schedule is, whatever works for you. But also make it something that's doable. Don't make it like a reach. Make it an easy schedule that is like, oh, that's a snap. I can do that. I'm, so you're not waking up in the morning going, oh, shit, how am I going to write all this stuff today? You're like, oh, shit, I got a pretty late day. All I have to do is write five pages and outline two scenes. That's not that much. Sounds or if you need to do three projects, it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and a Tuesday, Thursday. That's two of them. And then writing in the morning on the other one. So you got your number one project got five days, your number two got three days, and your number three got two days. Mm -hmm. You still got a lot done. And it's like, if you're trying to tell me that you need to get all three things done by Friday, that's a little bit weird. I don't believe that that's true. So (laughs) then you need to talk to the people who are giving you these deadlines and and ask if they're real deadlines.
0: (laughs) I think that's fantastic advice that I am definitely going to take all right. I, I feel like this quote of the day that we're going to end on is rather appropriate since, Dave, you keep you keep mentioning that, that you're old for some reason. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just older. Okay, older. Quote of the day. It is good to have a failure while you're young because it teaches you so much. For one thing, it makes you aware that such a thing can happen to anybody. And once you've lived through the worst, you're never quite as vulnerable afterwards. Walt Disney.
2: Love it. Big Believer in that, big
0: believer yeah. as well. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0.
1: And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And Dave, would you like to share your Twitter or s- social media? David,
2: H- yeah, it's very easy. David H. Steinberg got to use the H because of the Writers Guild on Twitter. David H. Steinberg also on Instagram, although I don't really post too many selfies so Instagram (laughs) might be a little disappointing I think most of my stuff is on Twitter
0: and it's a really good Twitter definitely go follow it's so inspiring and informational and like Dave said he's just so open to um, helping everyone and and giving giving advice from his own experiences Um, so as always the act two podcast is a production of act two a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter this episode was edited by Paul Lundquist music by 414 beg which you can find on Spotify